So lads, we are back with another episode of the Landlord Page podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to go across the line a little bit for the industry. And we're going to get stuck into exactly what goes on in the lettings industry. Talk about estate agency. It's a topic which is controversial, but we've got enough experience that we feel it's the right thing for property investors and landlords to know a little bit more about. We're not going to get any friends within the industry for this chat, but we're doing this for the public. We're doing this for the listeners. So looking forward to getting stuck into it. What are some of the things we're going to cover, Mike? So things we're going to cover is landlord agreements, as in the terms and conditions that you sign with your letting or estate agent. Tend to be anything up to 48 pages. It's about the longest I've ever seen. And yep. they tend to be full of lots and lots of clauses. So what does it all mean? Fees as well, Tristan. We talk about the breakup of how sometimes lettings agents kind of cover hidden fees. So we're going to get stuck into that subject. Also talk about staff turnover because we see that happen a lot, especially in property management, don't we? Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially property management, for example, every week, yeah. the amount of people I've spoken to, they can't remember that they don't know their property manager's name. But yeah. then we've got the front end as well where they turn over just as quick. And then also some of the upsell in the market. So should we get straight into the episode, Jack? Let's do it. So, as Mike said, one of the first things we want to talk about in the letting industry is it has got a certain stigma and it has got a certain reputation. A state agency in general has got a certain stigma and reputation, especially in the UK. When you go kind of US, Australia, people are really fond of their real estate agent, as it's called. But in our industry, people get really frustrated with the lettings industry as well as the sales, but we'll talk about lettings today. And the biggest complaint, and it always has been since I've been in the industry for 20 years, across the board, when you talk to any of the governing bodies, is always communication. But when it gets into lettings, sometimes I find the complaints that come in are more detailed than that. And it can be down to the actual landlord agreement and the first contract they've signed. And that's not the tenancy agreement, but it's actually the landlord agreement, the T's and C's, if you like. Sales, it's just a page, and in lettings, it can be 12, 15 pages of, if not longer. So putting it on to you two guys, Mike, sort of coming to you first, what are the common things that landlords should look out for when signing uh, T's and C's with an estate agency for either let only, rent and collect, fully managed, overseas managed, they're, they're the classic kind of four terms. What are the common things that people should look out for to check that that lettings agent is not a little bit rogue, and also trying to pull the wool over their eyes. What, what have you found? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is, I think letting agents in the last five to 10 years have probably overtaken estate agents in the race to be the least popular in the office <laughs> or in the industry, yeah. just because um, estate agencies kind of become a little bit untrendy with the owners of the brands and the profit has been turned out of lettings. So the big, big corporates are now squeezing as much money as they possibly can out of their lettings businesses, which in turn has been passed on to their clients, which is their landlords and previously their tenants. This government, love them or hate them, have done a lot for tenants in driving down land, uh, tenant fees and driving driving in a lot of regulation, which in turn has been passed on to landlords rather than been taken on, taken on by letting agents, I feel. So yeah. um, that's the first thing is I think you must look at your letting agent with slight bit of caution, shall we say, from a polite phrase. In a landlord agreement, what should you look for? You should absolutely look for their registrations with either ARLA or 
ALA, the Property Ombudsman or the PRS, uh, client money protection schemes and what deposit registration scheme that they use to ensure that they will be compliant on your behalf. That's an absolute must. That's number one. Um, now, the vast majority of big letting agents and small letting agents will be, but if they just popped up, make sure that they've that they've got their sign ups properly done because that's your cover if everything really goes wrong. Yeah, and it's a bit like we say in the in the solicitor industry where that's you know got its own conversation to be had, but they almost regulate themselves within reason, and as a result, people can get quite frustrated because they don't know where to go if a solicitor doesn't do the right job. Well, in our industry. It is regulated and there is the ability to go to another party outside of that business owner if you like once you've gone to the business owner you can go elsewhere and hopefully get rewarded with the right outcome be it whether your opinion is right or wrong you're going to find out through that that governing body so hopefully it will never come to that hopefully not but you know every industry comes with complaints regardless of what it is whether it's kind of tesco's lettings or mcdonald's you're going to get a complaint somewhere along the lines because it's, it's operated by humans and humans are not perfect and that that is what it is um what what's interesting though i find in in a state agency for the lettings industry is more often than not whenever landlords i've seen kind of quiz the t's and c's or quiz certain parts of it a lot of the people that are out there pitching for the business they actually haven't read their own contract it's just given to them and they 100%. say right get the contract get the signed yeah. um name at the end of it date it and you know initial each page if you're lucky but that that often seems to be the case is people are quizzed on it and don't know the answers to a lot of the questions which that's a bit of a worry in the industry as well yeah i mean look if you you work as a lettings negotiator for a well-known firm and your terms and conditions are 50 pages long would you have read it probably not no, or the legal jargon. Uh, <laughs> or would you understand it? Would would you you know would you would you take the time? Would you take the, Would you get the time and the explanation of what's in that terms and conditions? Why it's there, so you can physically, actually give that to an owner. My point of view on a long on a long terms and conditions, as we're talking about the people who actually sign you up as a landlord, is as a landlord, and you're presented with a long a long contract. Absolutely, do not sign it on the spot. That's the expectation of, a, of, of the letting agent going out there is they're going to go out there and they're going to sign up that landlord to take the property onto the market. If you're presented with a long terms and conditions that you cannot read um, because there's time pressure, then do not sign it on the spot. Yes, there's a 14 day calling off period. I get that. But once the wheels are in motion, you feel pressured to carry on with it. And 99 times out of 100, you will carry on with it rather than use that cancellation. So do not sign a long terms and conditions on the spot. Take the time to read it. One of the common things that we find when we're talking to landlords that have got properties already, one of the common questions that we're finding a lot at the moment where people are realising our lettings agency away from the podcast, but our lettings agency, Avocado Lettings, is bringing a reputation now as something that's a little bit different. And one of the common problems we often find with landlords is when they want to move the management of their property over to another agency, be it us or another, they're bound by certain terms and conditions to do so, but they might have had a tenant in there for two and a half years and it might have been a 12 month contract and it's 18 months outside of that and it's on a rolling. They've been paying their monthly percentage as it normally is then it becomes a real challenge to get away from that lettings agent, even though you paid them 
in reality in this um, case study, two and a half years worth of management income. What's your kind of take on that and advice on that? And what can people look out for? Because that's quite a common issue for people when, as we mentioned with staff turnover in the intro, sometimes you might have had in two and a half years, four or five different account managers as such for your property. You don't know anyone, you're explaining it every time. You're going, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm gonna to move to a different agency because it's not right for me. What happens at that point? Because it becomes a real headache for landlords, doesn't it? And the issue with that lies as well is when you sign up with someone, you're promised everything uh, in the world that you're going to be the point of contact. You're sold um, to in a sales pitch, effectively. Exactly. And then moving forwards, you realise that it's just a sales target and they're on to the next one and they're pushed, pushed over to a negotiator to do the viewings and you probably never hear from them again. Mm. Or if they do, it's probably for a price reduction or something of that nature. Yeah. Um, I think that's the first issue. And if you have an agreement with someone, Normally there's some conversations in that. I know you should always get it in writing, but in some cases it's just like a, a verbal conversation where you understand their, their needs and so forth, but it wasn't written in the terms. And then once you change property manager, change staff turnover, that stuff gets lost if it's not made notes on the, on the system, that's when it comes a massive breakdown. But, but what about the finances? But for, to, to get away, you've paid well, over the tenancy agreement level of service charge to that letting agency but then often there's a big lump sum to actually exit even though you've already paid for the job well the first 12 months you've paid for that or more if not you've paid your service fee you've paid your management income going into year two you've paid bonus fees and then going into year three you're halfway through the year you've paid more than the equivalent of mm. that service to go downgrade to, to a different service so why shouldn't you be allowed to go but you're not are you that's the key thing here is most letting agents have got sometimes a month's rent or a particular fixed number that's yeah. in there for the landlord to actually get away, which um, that can be quite a lot of money. You know, a month's rent in this area could be £1,200 plus back just to end the agreement with that estate agency, even though they paid for the service. It doesn't seem right to me, I, I believe. It doesn't seem like the right thing to do. I know you feel very strongly on this, Mike. I'll let you explain your opinions. But the, the belief from the lettings agent point of view is they own the tenant because they introduced the tenant. That's the argument from the lettings industry is as long as that tenant sits in your property, we are due a fee. Mm. Whether that's right or wrong has been tested a few times uh, through trading standards uh, in court. So a piece of advice number three, as we're on to it, is yeah. before you appoint your letting agent or estate agent, just Google Joe Bloggs Estate Agency Trading Standards, Joe Bloggs Estate Agency Competition Markets Authority, and, and those sorts, or on property ombudsman, just to see what comes up, just to see what you think, because it's much probably a much more honest reflection um, of that company and the people who run that company than their uh, FIFO reviews or trust pilots or whatever other yeah. um fixed review system that they invite their clients to, to, to use rather than sort of let people review as a, as a Google style, style template. So that's that's number three, I think we're on to. But the realistic point of view is if, you, if a tenant has lived in your property for a number of years and you have paid your agent for that number of years for management, then you have paid them what is due to them and you should be able to leave the definition of a contract and you are making a contract between yourself and the agent and yourself and your tenant so there are two separate contracts in play 
definition of contract is a contract must have a start, it must have a consideration, as in money, it must have a product, as in the house, and it must have an end. If a contract has no end, it is not a contract mm -hmm. and therefore not valid and just totally irrelevant, whatever you're being told. So if the terms and conditions have no exit, then it's totally irrelevant because it's not a valid contract because any contract in law has to have those things. Otherwise, it's not a definitive contract. Um, so that's my point of view on people who, on, on companies who don't have any exit. Those who have some sort of consideration for moving away. It, I, uh, from my point of view, it depends on fairness. Yeah, how long they paid, what they paid in total. And yeah, I think that's a total fair way to look at it. But often agents see it as a, it's a frustration, it's one lost and they'll fight. And yes. they'll fight. They'll fight without the thought of repeat business. They'll just fight for the point of it. Talk to retain their business, basically. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a cost to admin of them closing off the tenancy and then moving it across because there's a lot of compliance that they have to go through. So fair enough, it will take some admin time. It will take some unraveling and unregistering the deposit and this, that and the other and blah, blah, blah. Because we have to go through an awful lot of checks with Arla, which I'm doing our renewal at the moment, so I know all about the health tests that we have to go through, which take a couple of days each time. So there is a, a degree of pity that if you want to move your business, that they will charge an administration fee. Personally, I'm not against some kind of administration fee, but again, it comes down to fairness. How much does it cost an agent to do that? Does it cost them 12 to 1500 pounds? No. So it's probably the sensible thing if you're going to market with a lettings agent at some point, or you're buying a property at the moment to invest and you're gonna use a lettings agent to manage it or, or find the rent and, and look after the financial part of it, the deposit, etc. Look at that part in the contract and have it crossed out. Just for peace of mind, have it crossed out because if you've paid rent for four years and you've got a 1500 pound bill at the end to move agents for valid reasons, then void it out of the contract because probably the person that's sat in the living room, they're not going to be fussed by that. They'll just put a line for it because they want to go back. And, Absolutely. And not, it doesn't it. Re it's irrelevant to them on that time and moment exactly. what they care about signing the signing the agreement. Yep. Which brings me on to number four. I haven't even planned these, but we're on to number four. <laughs> yeah, I like of, it. Uh, of, of advice, as we're talking about those fees, the, there is a regulation in place that a fee cannot be charged to a client if it is not clearly displayed on either the fees page within their terms and conditions and their website. So if the fee that your letting agent is trying to charge you is hidden on page 36, subsection 24, part 2B, you will pay £1,200 plus VAT to exit my contract, but it's not on their website that you will pay an exit fee and it is not on the fee page, a very specific fee page within their terms and conditions, it is not enforceable. That has been proven in court. Interesting. Again, Google it. Yeah. So that's a layout of the contract yes. and where it's positioned. It's, 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 it's to prevent small print hidden fees because, as we know, going back to number one, yeah. people don't read their 40-page agreements because they feel pressured into, into signing them. So the layout has been made that there must be a single or a two-page document within that fee is just layering exactly what you will be or could be charged for throughout your agreement. There's a very recent case on that where they've won as well, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah. Interesting stuff. And, and while we're talking fees, 
So a recent property that um, that I found a tenant for for a landlord. We at the at the moment of agreeing the tenancy, we were having a conversation about the fee that I was charging for for rent and collect in this case, not fully managed, um, but just to get the the tenant moved in, the the setup fee, etc. What he was paying, the fact that kind of we'd highlighted every single thing he'd need to pay in order to get that tenant moved in, like inventory and cleans and setup fees and where the deposit was going to go, et cetera, et cetera. And then obviously the monthly rent and collect charge. But where I'd given him every bit of information and the total bill where he wouldn't need to pay any more, the other agency was using was just giving the headline figure and not actually sort of saying X, Y, and Z on top. So he thought there was this super high kind of setup fee but actually when it was broken down, it was doing him a financial favor because we were kind of using it from a volume point of view because of the relationships we've got with third parties. So we were helping the landlord out, but it looked like from his perspective that it was being overcharged. So talking fees, we charge flat rates per bedroom, much like a rate card for a cleaner or an inventory clerk. But in a state agency, it's obviously it's often done on percentages and then that's the headline. And then there's a load of hidden charges that come out later on. So I think it's important to talk about that, but what are the classic kind of hidden charges that you often find in a state agency? Because some is like a full page list. Yeah, no, I'm glad you touched on that. And I had exactly the same point a couple of months ago and the chap basically said, when he broke it down with the agent, because I went through that, he said, well, actually I'll get this substantially cheaper here. I said, go back and ask the questions. You come back to me, it turned out to be a lot more expensive. Yeah. And that's because you've got Registration deposit charge, separate. Tenancy agreement charge, separate. Then you've got the fee on top. The external stuff like the clean, the EICRs, the gas safeties, they're obviously separate um, contractors that you have to appoint, but we make them aware of them. We're given the cost of those because the contractors we use, there is obviously a charge for them. Mm. Um, and whatever that kind of company is, we're paying on the charge. So as long as they're outlaid on the offset, that's fine and they're aware of of those but then you've got other charges that are hidden in there which personally i don't agree with um you've got inventory charge uh check-in charge which is obviously outsourced but like you said we combine this into one so there's no here there and everywhere where you've got 15 different fees on that one page that mike was referring to earlier these are the two charges this is what you get with it so upfront and transparent i like it i liken it to the two different types of solicitor bills you can get you've got your fixed fee this is what we're going to charge you, regardless of the work. They're putting their neck on the line to say we're going to do a good job in an efficient time scale, and this is going to be a bill. And then you've got solicitors, more older styles, older school ones, where it's right. This is what we charge per hour, and then you don't know what you're paying until yeah. nine months down the line. It's a bloody big old bill. <laughs> um, Mike, do you think the way that these little micro fees um, are built up is back to your point around? Um, tenant admin fee ban do you think that lettings agents have tried to use a way to bring in the income lost because a lot of lettings agencies we were talking 20 25 percent of their turnover potentially so it's a big big whack in the face to the industry is this where they're trying to make those markups do you feel do you want the long answer or the short answer i think the short answer will be yes, yes. Um, <laughs> the short answer is yes. Um, letting agents lost a huge amount. Letting agents were charging somewhere up to the equivalent of two weeks rent um, to their tenants to move into a property. And that was obviously 
thrown out two years ago now, something like that. Um, so they lost around about five to seven hundred pounds per tenant per move in. So a huge, huge hole in the budgets. And two things were introduced in agencies that I saw. Some introduced some hidden fees, like my favourite. I'm itching to go through this one. A compliance fee, where you pay a monthly figure, something like fifteen pounds a month to the to the estate agent to maintain compliance. Wow. Now, I mean, <laughs> I would expect that they were, they were maintaining compliance before they charged their compliance fee, um, and now they're just maintaining compliance and charging you money for the benefit of them maintaining compliance of their business. It doesn't, doesn't make any right. sense, frankly. It's just it's just total BS. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that agents have done to plug the hole in their budgets is introduce the zero deposit scheme which has been sold to landlords as a great way of introducing more tenants to your property because you, those these tenants can move in with zero deposit, which makes you more competitive. Now, the counter argument to that is, would you want a tenant moving into your property that cannot afford to put their own money down against damages, which a deposit probably averages around about £1,500 in the southeast. So it's only five weeks rent. Deposits are capped at five weeks now as well, so it's not a huge amount of money. The second thing that you need to know about deposit protection zero deposit schemes is they cost tenants up to and around 50 pounds per month it's three and a half percent plus vat on that on average from what i see in yeah absolutely so in and around 50 pounds a month on average if, if you're working about that three three and a half percent figure now as a landlord i will ask the direct question would you rather it's good i love that, a good that. i was gonna say it's a good game we'll play that later um would you rather as a landlord your tenant pays you fifth pays the agency 50 pounds a month for the benefit of having no deposit and then at the end it all gets sorted out through a external panel if there's damage hopefully or hopefully or would you rather your tenant just gives you an extra 50 pound a month and that covers realistically any damage because 50 pound a month over a year is 600 so if your tenant stays two years they've basically given you their entire deposit let alone had you holding a deposit for it which you were going to give back so would you rather have 1200 quid in your pocket guaranteed or would you rather be letting agent took it so really the gamble is the landlord's gamble so why is the letting agent getting the reward is it just it's only risk and risk for the landlord even though the landlord is the client so it's a, it's a very very good point and you know with that in mind that draws us to part one of what we're going to call ripping apart the lessons industry next week we're going to touch on part two where we are going to talk about how property management actually works from a departmental point of view we are going to talk about more of these upselling markups that come into lessons agencies especially since the tenant fee ban we're also going to cover a lot, uh, another couple of legal points as well that I hope will protect in long term some property investors out there. And we're going to touch on that. Should you even use a lettings agent or should you just go rogue on your own? And rogue maybe is a, is a harsh way of putting that. But are you going to go and become professional landlords on your own with a single or multi-step properties? And who are the right people to do that and who are the wrong people to do that? So that's part two next week. Hopefully you've enjoyed this one. It'd be great if you could leave us a review, leave us a comment. If you've got any questions, you know where uh, we are. You can drop us a DM, you can email us, and go straight through to the website and fill in a contact form. But thank you everyone that's listened. It's been a really insightful one, this one, chaps. And next week we'll have part two. 
but we'll carry on with ripping apart the lettings industry. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.